Good morning. I don't really know what day it is. I hate when I wake up when I don't know what day it is, but um, I'm gonna fix those. Like I got a couple things not numbered right. And, um, but at any rate, um, so I titled this one about ripping off the rear view mirror. <laughs> you know, the Holy Spirit is always, you know, talks in the car and that's what he said this morning. But um, a couple quick announcements too. Um, so my wife and I are finally going to be um, get, publishing our book to Kindle. It's called Supernatural Workplace Confessions of a High School English Teacher. Um, so we're excited about that. It's going through some final edits and then um, we'll kind of go ahead and get that going and put up there. And then um, we're also gonna be starting here in Brunswick, a Supernatural School of Ministry. So, it's kind of like a lot of things have changed for us in the last few weeks. I agreed to stay in Brunswick, which was nice because I've only been trying to get out of it for 13 years. <clears throat> and then I realized that God didn't want me to go find a river somewhere. He wanted to bring the river to, to us. And so, and I've always known that Brunswick had a prophetic destiny as far as being a revival hub. You know, we, we heard the words through the years. But I think like many of us, you know, there were so many years in there that I got discouraged because I kept waiting on revival to come. And so in those years of just kind of crying out for it, crying out for it and not happening, it kind of, you know, um, it, I think I just logged a lot of disappointment and discouragement, et cetera, in my heart. And hey, Teresa, good morning. And so you know, a lot of those things accumulate sometimes without us really having a whole lot of conscious effort to it. You know, there are things, and I talked about how in the context of the glory, we had a, a meeting a couple Saturdays ago um, when John and Julian Hamill came down where the glory was just present in the room and I found myself screaming on the floor, come on. You know, just this feeling that God was mantling us, that he was present and then kind of accessing something in my heart that I couldn't. And I've talked a little bit about how, you know, this is why the mandate for revival, revival is not an option. It's not like a cute little thing. You know, it's not like something that we, that we just have and then it goes. No, what we're doing is we're doing habitation and revival all the way to the end, continuous. The reason that this preparation, one of the many reasons that has been so long is because not only is the landscape radically different, nothing is like what we've known before in many ways, and we're discovering that, but it's also a landscape that is built for continuous revival. You know, historically, we've had these patterns. We do revival for a few years. We go to Toronto, we go to Brownsville. Things kind of die out. Then we kind of live in this other place for a long time. Wait, there's no more cycles of revival. It's actually revival till the end. And so that's why one of the many reasons, like I said, that this landscape has been so hard in the preparation for, because it's a landscape where we get to walk in unfamiliar places, where we finally get to um, stop trying to build the church, and we actually try to build a habitation and be a habitation, become the habitation and the walking revival. So we come into this era you know, part of what those, I'm just repeating a little bit here, but a lot of what those little fires did and all those places where the enemy tried to take us out and we stood and we stood and we stood as messy as we were, mud covering us from head to toe, right? 
there was a lot of purpose in that. And, it, and what it did do is it, it really did prepare us to not be an orphan, you know, not to carry on our victimhood in Egypt and to really come into a place of identity. I mean, honestly, when we come into a desperate place and we're longing for revival and just we want God and it's here, we want him to pour himself out without measure. And there is a magnified grace that comes in the glory of God that accesses things in us that we can never access another way. And so when we want and we cry out for that, there is something about the landscape of our heart that he has prepared for it. And it isn't going to be something religious that we build because we've already done that, been there. That's the other part of this. Most of us have already been through religion, right? We've tried to manage our lives. We tried to look like cute Christians, you know, et cetera. As Dave Hogan would say about trying to manage your life and struggle, how's that working for you? Because the only transformation is the transformation that comes in the place of habitation. Because that's where the word and the spirit meet inside of us. When we have the, when we're living encounters and we are encountering the word, the, the habitation of Holy Spirit becomes the soil that's on steroids for that word to take root in and to do something transformational. And so we've talked a little bit about how I, I believe that this is going to be an era where, you know, we've had a lot of grace, right? For many of us, if you're in my age bracket, which we'll like that a broad bracket, right? <laughs> right. Um, you've already, you know, we've done 25 hours of deliverance. We've been through inner healing. We've been through counseling. Love all those things. They are a grace and they were a grace that happened to be part of the landscape of our heart. But I don't believe that that is the landscape of the generation that we're raising up. I don't believe that's part of their landscape. Remember, in this era, everything is new. And in this era, everything is marked by awe and wonder of God. And everything will be marked by the God of the miraculous, the God who is doing the thing you can't. One way to dismantle religion is for us to believe in and trust in the God who can only be, is the only one that could fill the desire, that can make the dream come true, that can fulfill prophetic promise, that can heal the sick and raise the dead, that can eliminate my financial woes, right? My debts. Um, it, we're all sitting in the place where in multiple areas of our life right now, we are looking to the God of the impossible. And the enemy is like, he's just throwing a lot of crap into the wind right now, like hoping it'll land on our face. And, and it's like, um, just say no. You know, like the old saying about just say no to drugs. Let's just say no to the enemy's crap all over us, you know, because part of what he wants to do is he knows, let's just put it this way. There is a huge threat because for many of us, and I, I mentioned this briefly before about how I felt like the impeachment was kind of a symbolic thing and the failure of that thing to happen was a symbolic thing of the enemy with like with many of us, he's drawn his last straw. He's drawn his last arrow. He's done his last big thing. He's tried and tried. And so when you, when all evil assembles like they did in the days of Baal and worship and Elijah said, let the God that answers by fire come, the God that is answering by fire is here and he's answering and he's dismantling and toppling every throne that the enemy has ever built. 
and our culture and our heart and our families. He's toppling those thrones. They're falling over and they're giving way to the throne of the king of kings. The enemy doesn't know everything. Let's not give him too much credit. But he knows enough to know that there was a place in this that we were going to come to in this era where things were going to begin to happen with much greater ease. That's what revival does. That's what glory does. Things that could never previously be accomplished are suddenly accomplished. Things that were challenging that we could not get to move. Mountains that we couldn't move. And our own hearts. You know, I had one move in my own. I've had a few. I feel That's what I call a mountain mover. But um, all of those things, you know, the things that have been stuck for a long time are suddenly moving. They are moving. And we're suddenly seeing that, that, that our words, the power that our words have had all along, right? When we frame up this reality um, with our mouth and we're seeing, that's what revival does. It takes the dead things and calls them back to life. It takes the things that are stuck and immovable. It takes the things that have been blocked and the things that have been held up and even prophetic promise. And it like literally like, bam, pushes it out of the soil. It's the plant that comes to birth by force. That's what revival does is it forces the seed through the ground and it says, you're going to give birth to this now. It's going to happen. The mandate of heaven is bigger than you and is bigger than any of us. So I don't think we're going to screw it up too much because he's into it more than we are. And he's the one that brought us here. And so um, I think he won't abandon what he's doing. So I'm, I titled this one um, about basically um, getting out of the rearview mirror. Okay. A lot of people are dealing with stuff. You've already crossed the threshold. You're seated. You're in this new era of revival. And you've noticed that you've still got some things that are clinging to you, whether it's a sin habit, an attitude, or just a place of depression or anxiety, like whatever it is, right? You're like, I still got something here. Number one, don't let the enemy make you think that's not going to go. Don't let the enemy, number two, tell you that that's part of who you are and that's your cross to bear and yada, yada, bull garbage. No. Number four, three or four, I don't know which one I'm on now, but let's just say this. I think one of the keys in this era is to keep moving, okay? When we get stagnant, I love the way this reads in the Garden of Gethsemane in the message version. And John, uh, Mark chapter 14, where he says, you know, he goes off to pray and he says, um, you know, don't be naive. Part of you wants to, I'm going to paraphrase myself here, wants to go, you know, uh, bonkers and crazy and like launch everything in God. But there's another part of you that wants to go to sleep like a lazy dog at the fire. And it was so interesting that the minute his presence moved just a tiny bit away from them, and ironically, he was still in view, they began to slumber. We are not slumbering. We are fully awake, and we're being made fully awake, and we're coming into places of great fulfillment. So here's the thing I wanted to say prophetically. As you come in to this, as we enter into this era, and we begin to keep moving through it, um... The things that are clinging to you are going to burn off. They're going to fly off. They're going to get knocked off. 
because you cannot have things clinging to you. It's kind of like that bug on the windshield, you know, that's stuck to the windshield. You know, if you drive that car fast enough, even that bug that's stuck to the windshield, that's going like this, you know what I mean? You're it's still holding on. It's going to come off. So the things that are stick, stuck, in, stick, stuck on you that you haven't been able to shake as you come into this era and as you keep moving is the key. Don't pause. Keep moving. I'm not saying don't listen. I'm saying keep moving. Don't give the enemy the lag time to fill in the space. We don't want to give the enemy a vacuum to fill. And then when we, when we pause and get distracted by the thing that we're struggling with or the smoke screen of the enemy, that becomes his playground. Kick him out quick and keep moving. And so I just say this to say that um, when the Lord spoke to me, and this is a phrase that I borrowed from Jamie, I, I've heard it before, but it's like, it was just an interesting twist on. He said, I'm ripping out your rearview mirror. You're not going to look back. You're not looking back at what you created back there because your anointing and your calling may have some parts to do with that, but there's another aspect where it's all new. Some of us are birthday ministries we don't even know yet because the appointed time has come and we're in that era and we've, we're in the glory, we're in the habitation, we're in the place where some things have been waiting our whole life to be birthed in us. Not a surprise to God, only a surprise to us. So we've been carrying goods and many of them are birthing now. And I felt like what the Lord said is when you come into this era and you begin to experience my great fulfillment, the things that you've struggled with your, in your addictions, etc., will no longer have a place in you. You will no longer, because some of those are remnants of contending from disappointment. Those are remnants of discouragement. It's the way that our heart began to deal with the anxiety and the angst that we experienced in the places where we were surviving, in the places where the enemy was try, trying to take us out. In other words, the clothes you were wearing in our wilderness, in our many years in the journey and getting to this place of crossing over into this new era, those rags are getting exchanged for some new clothes. And in these new clothes, even when we keep saying things are gonna look different, they're even going to look different with you and with me, you're not taking those familiar struggles with you. And so don't get distracted by what the enemy's doing when you find yourself falling into that pit. Look, you can spend as much time as you want into a false identity. You can be there if you want to sit in shame and sit in a false identity and give the enemy lots of headspace. You, you can sit there for as long as you want. People have sat there for years, right? Am I saying that um, yet I could step in the mud over here and step right into worship the next moment and not be a hypocrite? Yes, because you are still acting consistently with who you are. When we step out and we have a non-identity moment that we give the enemy playground to, we, we don't lose who we are in him. 
That completed work is still completed. The habitation in us is still the habitation. The call, the gift, all of those things are still intact. If we choose to step into a place where we agree with the enemy, then we come out of agreement and we come back into agreement with heaven. Just like that. There's not a need to wait. So, I want to say something quick about my man about the pool of Bethesda. You know, I love this passage. But I'll read, I read it this morning in the in the in the passion and this I want to just you know it's it's something that I think we're going to begin to see but in the passion he says at the pool uh, surrounded by five porches hundreds of sick people were lying there in the porches the paralyzed the blind the cripple all of them waiting for their healing for an angel of the Lord would come periodically descend rather into the pool stir the waters and the first one who stepped into the pool after the water swirled would instantly be healed <laughs> Keep that word instant. Now, there was a man has, who has been disabled for 38 years. I usually have a lot to say about this. I'm only going to talk about one part of it. Lying among the multitude of the sick, Jesus sought him out. I'm stopping here today. I'm coming for you. Okay? When Jesus saw him lying there, he knew that the man had been crippled for a long time. So Jesus said to him, do you truly long to be healed? Why? Because most of us, when we're in Egypt and we're in orphanhood, etc., we don't even, we've lost so track of the thing that we desire, of the thing that we want, that hope, that promise, that prophetic fulfillment is gone, right? Because of the years that this man has stayed in his broken condition. When then he said to him, then the sick man answered, sir, there's no way I can get healed. He said, no way I can get healed. For... I have no one who will lower me into the water when the angel comes. As soon as I crawl to the edge of the pool, someone jumps ahead of me. Right? Jesus stands, says to him, stand up, pick up your sleeping mat, and walk. And immediately he stood up and was healed. Okay. Pop over with me to Luke 419, 4.18. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom from for the prisoners and recovery of sight to the blind. This man was blind and sick. And to set the oppressed free to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. I looked up the word prisoner. It literally means captive as if by war. I believe as an extension to this, the thing that I love to talk about, I think we're going to see immediate deliverance um, as this generation comes into the water, comes into the church, comes into the habitation. Um, they're going to be immediately delivered from addictions. They're going to step seamlessly into an identity that they have been, that God's been forming in them. Yes, they've been addicted to the wrong kind of supernatural. I get it. Yes, they've been steeped in sin. I get it. So were we, right? Yes, yes, yes to all those things. However, God isn't wasting anything for any of us. He doesn't waste one bit of it. And he takes that which means foolish and stupid and silly. And that's the thing that he says, that's what I want. And so there's always, I like being the least of these because stupid, silly, least of these, that works for me because that means I'm qualified. Not about credentials, not about anything. It's about least of these. It's about him perfecting weakness, perfecting strength rather in our weakness. It's about him doing in us what we couldn't do in ourselves. That's the difference in this era. 
You're doing something in me that I can't do. But as I look at the generation, been with them a long time, they've been, they're prepared for supernatural. They're already addicted to it. They're prepared to step into an identity because they don't know who they are and they're looking for one. Um, so don't look at them and say, oh, they'll never get there. Look at them and say, oh, one encounter away from stepping into who you are and being launched. Like my wife always talks about the demoniac, the gathering demoniac who went to the 10 cities. He skipped ministry school and seminary, by the way. He just got healed and became the one who told and spread the news, became a huge evangelist. That's what we're going to see. We're going to see instantaneous launch and deliverance at the same time. They're going to go into the water, come into the altar, however God wants to ignite it, but they're going to come in and they're going to get launched in the same moment that they get delivered. And they're going to step into their identity just like that. And they're going to be ready to move with the kingdom tools and supernatural as their norm. That will be their norm, period. And so, to add last thing to that, I believe that there are people who are sitting there saying they can't be healed. They can't get free of their addiction. And even when they come in the door, they're saying the same thing. I can't, I can't, I can't. It, it, it is easy to see such a person as not yielding a will. But I just wanna to submit to you that when a will has been held captive in war, by the enemy, sometimes it's our word to them that frees them. I don't have to hear in the ways that I want to, that you're ready, that you want to. The fact that you showed up tells me you're ready. If you're here in the church, in this water, wherever, it tells me that you're ready. If we don't hear in their voice this radical submission as they come our voice and the word that we speak will be the word for many of them that breaks the chain when i believe that there are many who the enemy has captivated and shrouded their will can he do it permanently no can he not when they come into the presence not when they come into the habitation right this is why some of them are like in crazy, crazy, crazy bondage that they can't get out of. And the bondage has become a cycle and a lifestyle. And it's become something that is the only thing they know. I remember saying to my son who, you know, struggled with so many things like this because of the abuse that he went through growing up. Um, when his grandma, you know, in his family's house, not ours, we adopted him. And he would say, I have a monster inside of me. And I'm like, no, you don't. And he would say, I can never be free of this. I'm like, no, you can. Just because you can't picture what freedom looks like doesn't mean it doesn't exist. That change of perspective is gonna happen when you step into the glory. And the glory of God and the habitation of Holy Spirit is going to do the thing that you could not. That is the good news. And that's why revival is not an option. It is, period. We will, the, the, the stage has been set in such a way that if the God of the impossible doesn't show, we walk away the same. If he doesn't show up and he is showing up and in glory and in habitation, 
There is amplified grace on steroids to move the mountains in our hearts that could never previously be moved, to release us from captivity in a way that where we've tried everything in every other season could not. In this kind of amplified grace, mercy, power, and glory, the captive is going to come that has been in bondage and then cycled in bondage and lived a lifestyle of bondage and they're going to get free instantaneously, just like this man in the pool of Bethesda who said, I can't get healed. I can't do it. Our word and the authority that we carry, we're going to speak to those people and they're going to have mental illness healed right on the spot. And they're going to get free of every kind of addiction that they've ever had right there immediately on the spot. That's what we are looking at. That's what we're coming into. A generation of instantaneous deliverance from all that has been gone wrong in every way that family life has eroded in every way that they've experienced abuse and trauma and all of the things that have come. Whereas we took 25 years of counseling, inner healing and deliverance, love all those things. It's not an issue of is that right or wrong? It's an issue of how is God coming? And now he's coming in power and glory. And when he comes in power and glory in the context of revival, the God of the impossible makes that which was never possible before suddenly possible and captives get loosed, they get free, and they become the voice of, of the Father. They become the oracle of the Lord as they go forth with the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. That's powerful. And when you, we see those kinds of people, the, the ones that many people would say, the dregs of society, nobody wants them, those are the ones the Father is choosing. Doesn't mean he's not choosing anybody else. It just means his heart is for them and the kind of captivity that they are getting released from will be so profound that the word that they speak as they get launched in the same moment that they are healed will be powerful. They will become the evangelist to their generation and we're where the enemy has tried to destroy their capacity for love, they will wear the banner of love. And they will know love and connection like nobody else has ever known. And they'll have some things to teach us about it too. Because for them, it's going to happen just like that. All right, so blessings. Love to hear your thoughts. Share this. All that. And um, it's good to be back. I think I missed a few days. All right, blessings.